It's time for Knox Talk, a behind-the-scenes look at the business side of college sports. Featuring Paul Sickman from Knox Sports and Brandon Parks from the Vol Network. Now for today's show. Welcome to another edition of Knox Talk. Today is Thursday, October 15th. My name is Paul Sickman from Knox Sports Marketing here in beautiful Tampa, Florida. The City of Champions as the Rays try to join the Lightning on top of their respective sports. My co-host is Brandon Parks from the University of Tennessee and the Ball Network. Today we are going to have some fun and talk some, tell some stories about some of the coaches we have interacted with in our business and sports marketing. So hello Mr. Parks, I'm going to let you kick off story time today and I can't wait to tell you some of mine as well. So what's going on buddy? I'm excited about this one. This should be a lot of fun. I think it's one of the reasons that you get into sports and sports marketing uh, is to get that behind the scenes feel uh, and to be to be there when things happen when the cameras aren't around. And it's one of the most fascinating things that we could do. And, and let me first say, beyond the stories, we have been incredibly blessed at the University of Tennessee over the years to have the quality of head coaches that we have had. Uh, and big personalities. Had, huge personalities. And I mean, and that probably starts, you know, when I started here in 2000, I mean, was there a bigger personality in women's basketball than Pat Summers? Right, uh, right. Incredible. Um, and, and down through the years, um, you know, we, we have had some, some characters uh, in our basketball program and also some characters on the sideline at the football field. Um, and I'll start with probably the most obvious candidate to tell a story on, Lane Kiffin. Um, Woo! And, and keep I've it got, clean, Bubba. I'm going to keep it clean, and I've got two good ones, and they actually sort of flow together. But one of those days you'll never forget. Um, I will never forget the day that he was hired to be the head coach at Tennessee, and he came in that morning. Uh, his press conference was going to happen somewhere around one or two o'clock in the afternoon, and so that morning. He had an hour time window slotted with the Vol Network, and we were going to meet him in the locker room, and we were going to record his radio and TV one-liners. This is head football coach Lane Kiffin. You're tuned into the Vols on the Vol Network. Go Big Orange, that sort of thing. So we, we go through that session, and then he goes to grab his suit bag because uh, it's time for him to change, to get ready, to get ready for the press conference. And so he pulls his suit out, and suit looks great, except his tie, it's orange, but it is burnt orange. Oh, yeah. And in Tennessee, we can't have that Texas orange. That's a big deal. Um, PMS 151 is Tennessee orange. <laughs> and, and over in China, where a lot of our goods are made and manufactured, it's known as Tennessee orange over there. So... Lane, obviously wanting to make a very good impression, looks at me and says, well, just give me your tie. So I literally took my tie off, gave it to Lane, texted my wife and said, no one else on the planet will know this, but when Lane gets up at his opening press conference, he's going to have my tie on today at the press conference. That a boy. So sure enough, Lane gets up at the press conference. He does a nice job. He's got the right orange color tie on. What Lane does not know about that tie, even to this day, is that Bob Kessling, who's the voice of the Vols, uh, he is superstitious. And so for every game that he broadcasts, he'll wear a Tennessee orange tie. If we win, he'll continue to wear that orange tie 
for the subsequent weeks ahead until we lose, and at that point, he no longer will wear the tie. Well, unfortunately, back in, I guess, 2007, um, we went through a fair amount of ties. And so every, <laughs> every Christmas, anytime I ran across an orange tie, I would pick it up. And then at Christmas, I would give him, you know, a few orange ties to add to his, to add to his library and his closet. So it happened to be the Tennessee-Wyoming game in Neyland Stadium, um, Phillips last year. Kessling wore one of my orange ties. And Tennessee, Tennessee lost that game to Wyoming, a, a really bad loss for us. And so I go into the locker room after the game. And so Bob is sitting there interviewing Phillip in the post-game radio show. And we go to commercial break, and Bob ceremoniously takes my tie off, throws it in the trash can. And I knew he had only worn that tie for maybe six hours that day. <laughs> right. That was going to be the only amount of time it was going to get worn. Um, so when no one was looking, I went over and dug that tie out of the trash can. Because you're independently wealthy and can afford millions of ties, but you decided you needed that one anyway. Absolutely. Well, and I'm a cheapskate. Let's yeah. just cut to the chase. So just so happened to be the day that um, Lane was hired, I forgot my tie, and I happened to have that one hanging on the back of my door here at the office. And so I immediately <laughs> just grabbed that tie and put it on. So Lane Kiffin is announced as the head football coach at Tennessee with a tie that had lost to Wyoming. Mm -hmm. Thank you for giving him all the good juju. <laughs> it was. And, and I, I never got the tie back. And a month later, Coach Ed Ogeron of LSU – was standing at a press conference announced to be our new defensive line coach and he's wearing my tie Woof. so that tie got some mileage out of it now i'll go ahead and i'll give you the second part to this story because I, I think it's probably the most fascinating and maybe one of the most surreal moments that's happened to me in my career so fast forward a year into the second week in january uh, and Steve Early and I, Steve, our general manager here at the Ball Network, had flown to Denver, Colorado. We were going to see our friends at Dish Network. And the, that morning, we got up from the hotel and went to the airport and picked up Mike Hamilton, who was the athletics director at the time, uh, and his marketing director, Chris Fuller. Uh, and they were going to attend the meeting with the executive team at Dish with us. So we pick them up, find a, a local place to have lunch and go through the presentation with them. And about midway through the lunch, Mike's sitting at the table and looks down and Lane Kiffin's calling his cell phone. So he gets up, goes outside, takes the call, comes back in, totally fine. We finish up our prep for the meeting and then we drive over to the, to the headquarters for DISH. Uh, so we get up into their executive boardroom and so Steve gets up and he starts into, you know, at Tennessee, we've had four coaches in 40 years and, and a new era has been launched and we're excited about the future and so forth. And I look to my left and Mike is sitting to my left and he starts texting under the table. And, and my first thought was, well, here we are. We've got the, we've flown all the way out to Denver. We've got the executive uh, management team for DISH in front of us and, and we're working on a a new partnership that will extend for the next five years and we need everyone to be on their game and here's you know mike texting under the table uh, well he ultimately stopped and, and he participated in the meeting and everything went really well and paul you know it in our business there's nothing more exciting than when you come out of a meeting and you know that it went really well and you can't wait to get to the car to talk about 
uh, the follow-ups that you've got to have and right. how you, you nailed it. You're people. just looking at how do we close, right? Exactly. So we get out to the car and everybody's excited and get into the car. We get up onto the ramp to go onto the interstate and Mike, Mike asked Steve to pull the car over. So Steve pulls the car over and, and Mike said, Hey, if you've got your cell phones, I'm going to ask you not to use them for a while. And you sort of look around and you're like, okay. And then he said, he said the, the infamous words that I will remember for forever. Lane has decided to go to USC. And he is currently at the football coaches clinic in Orlando. I've got to get him back to meet with the team before the news breaks. And this is just something that we've got to keep within this car. And I will tell you to be on the front end of something so surreal and to know that you knew something that really four to six hours later in as far as Tennessee goes and Rocky Talk goes is going to just absolutely blow up. So I ask you, did you um, go back into the meeting and say, we've had five head coaches in 40 years? <laughs> I should have. But, you know, uh, I, I will give Mike credit. It was, it was fascinating to watch an administrator in literally a 20-minute time window make all the appropriate phone calls that Mike had to make and get the wheels in motion for what would be the search and our new head coach. Right. And, and to, watch, learned, and to, turn out to watch him become, right? I mean, he's sitting well, there in a huge presentation, not, you know, the, belying the temptation to basically just lose his grip and walk out of the room. Yeah, no question. And, and you say calm, you're exactly right. He was the calmest individual in that car ride back to the airport while the rest of us were losing our minds. Right. And so we get to the airport. Um, Chris and Mike actually were flying out of a, um, a different terminal. And so Steve and I ultimately went over and found a, a Fox bar and restaurant grill there in the, the hotel. So we, we, go in, we go into that restaurant. We prop ourselves up in front of a TV monitor that has ESPN on. And then we open our laptop to a couple of the message boards here in Knoxville. And literally it's four o'clock mountain time, just waiting on someone to break some kind of news. And literally two minutes before we have to board the airplane, ESPN runs a scroll, Lane Kiffin calls team meeting. Right. So then you, you get on the plane and you're like, okay, it's going to go down now publicly and everyone's going to find out about it. And so what do they ask you to do when you're putting on, fastening your seatbelts to get ready to take off? They, should, they ask you to cut your phones off. So Steve and I cut our phones off. We, we take this flight in complete silence. And then we had flown out of Nashville. So we land in Nashville and are going to go get our car and drive home, land in Nashville and turn our phones on. And beep, it was beep, like beep, the beep, greatest beep, beep, game beep, beep, of ping pong you've ever right, heard right. for like 10 minutes. Right. And, and by then, obviously, the news had broke. But it, it was fascinating to, to be – I wasn't a part of it in the sense that, that, I, that I didn't necessarily play a role, but, but I was there when something significant happened. Did you close the dish and deal? So, yes, close the dish deal. Still have them uh, even today, and it's 2020. So that would have been, what, 13, 14 years ago now? How about um, it? a boy. So, um, you know, the, and there's many, many more Lane Kiffin stories. Uh, I will say this about him. Um, for, for maybe some of the public perception that was out there, uh, we could not have asked for a coach to, to be more flexible, 
and more adaptive from a marketing perspective um, to do anything that we needed to help sell his program. And I think he knew, and, and, and I think he even still to this day does, uh, understands the importance of marketing sales and marketing to the program. Yeah, well, he, he, he does it every day. I mean, he's a recruiter, so he understands the business in that regard. He but does. I'm uh, going to go the opposite direction, Bubba. I'm going <laughs> to I'm going to tell him my, my my first coach interaction in this business um, when I was actually a professional. I'll tell you a couple stories when I was in school that are also fun. But I'll start with Coach Ray Perkins. Remember him? Oh. So for a Tennessee guy, we always remember Ray Perkins and, and obviously his time at Alabama and Kentucky. Yeah. Well, this is when Perkins was in the pros and he did not appreciate anything that happened out of our office. Zero. Um, <laughs> and, and I'll give you a, a great example of how I was introduced to him. So back then in the Buccaneer days, we used to have a, uh, an event at Disney where they invited every single coach and player and front office person to go over to Disney for the weekend. And Disney would invite all their big corporate people, the American Expresses, the Deltas, all those big corporate people, and they would play golf with the players and staff for a weekend. Wonderful event. And I had only been with the team not very long. And so uh, I had never had any interaction with the head coach. And so, you know, it is between events and I'm sitting at one of those outdoor tiki bars and I'm, I'm sitting there by myself just having a beer and coach Perkins comes over and sits next to me and I'm going to give you a little background in year one with the Bucks we brought in about I don't know eight hundred thousand dollars in revenue that first year well nine years later with about the same exact inventory we got just under eight million dollars so wow. ten times okay wow. but it's year one and so coach Perkins comes up and he sits next to me and he goes you're the sales guy I said, yes, sir. Yeah, I'm the director of sales and advertising. And he goes, what do you sell? And he's just that mean, by the way. And I said, well, sir, I said, we sell signage around the building. We sell ads on the video board and we sell promotions that use the marks of, of the bucks. And he goes, uh-huh. And he goes, and how much does that bring in? And I said, well, sir, I said, our budget, you know, this year is, you know, we're hoping to get seven, $800,000 this year. And he goes, oh, God. So you're paying for the punter. <laughs> that that's how he equated it in yeah. his mind. Yeah. So yeah. he's so that was it. He's like, that's how good you are to me. You paid for the punter. And then he gets up, walks away. And I'm like, wow, don't I feel good about myself right now? Let me go out and sell. <laughs> that was uh introduction to sports marketing from Hoach Ray Perkins, who was incredibly appreciative. Now, I'll tell one short Coach Bowden's story, and then uh, and I'll let you. Uh, I'll let you. I'll go your turn. So obviously, Coach Bowden's a legend. All the things you ever hear are true. He is the kindest, gentlest, amazing human being I've ever been around. I've only been around two head coaches my entire life that didn't need to raise their voice and didn't raise their voice to make a point. Tony Dungy and Bobby Bowden both are human beings that can speak quieter to make a point. And Coach Bowden did that, and Coach Dungy did that. I was always amazed by that. Their ability to talk in normal tones and have the entire team wrapped with attention. But anyway, so first time I'm going to do with Coach Bowden, I'm working at Florida State, and the Florida South Georgia Ford dealers used to have a situation where they would have all three of that time coaches um, in their world, which was uh, Coach Pell, uh, Coach Bowden, and... Uh, and then Coach uh, Georgia, help me, uh, Dooley, Coach Dooley. So those three guys would all, on various times, do their Florida, uh, Florida South 
Florida and South Georgia Ford dealer spots. And so they all basically go out to a field. They film the coaches with the cars, et cetera, et cetera. So they always did Coach Bowden first because the script was always really hokey. And they knew he would, number one, he would do it in one take. And number two, mm-hmm. that he'd be friendly and be able to do it easily. Where then they would go to Coach Dooley because he was the next friendliest. And then they finished with Pell because he was a horse's ass and... They didn't want to have to deal with him, so they wanted to have all the bugs and kinks worked out before they went down south to Gainesville. (laughs) So I get in the car, my first like one-on-one with Coach Bowden, and and I go out to the car with him, and he goes, would you mind driving? I'm like, uh, okay. Now I am, if I wasn't nervous before, now full pits. I am just, right? I mean, I'm driving, and it's a beautiful Garnet, Lincoln, whatever it is. I'm driving. He takes, puts the radio on, and it's a religious station, and... He knows every word to every religious song that he belts at the top of his voice all the way out to this commercial shoot. Gets out of the car, walks in, goes and does the shoot literally in a take. They gave him like this five lines and he just says, bang, you got it, buddy. And he does it in one take and they say, thanks. And he's out of there in less than 10 minutes. And gets back in the car and he goes, you want me to drive home? I'm like, yes, sir. I really, really would. (laughs) And so he, he gets back in the car, same station, belts out the songs, thanks me for my day, thanks me for my time, thanks me for everything, and then goes to work. That was my first interaction with Coach Bowden doing commercial. Amazing. Well, similar, similar to that, there, there, there is something to be said about um, being asked to drive a coach. Um, and it sounds pretty simple. We drive every day. But when you have that precious cargo in your car, it sort of amps the thing you know amps things up a little bit <laughs> right um and I, butch jones uh one summer we were taking him over to downtown knoxville to record radio uh, endorsement spots for him and so he jumps in the car in the front seat and then we take off downtown and steve who's always my partner in crime is always with me he's in the back seat and we we tear off through campus and come down cumberland avenue uh, which is our, our main college strip area and I'm talking to coach and I'm trying to be engaged in the conversation. I failed to realize that the light had turned red on the red light uh, upcoming and I blew <laughs> right through the red light and I looked to my left and here, here, here comes this Hertz rental truck. And all I could think is, thank God it's on my side and not on Butch's side because this is going to hurt. Um, so, he, by the way, he never asked me to drive again, uh, which, which should have been, been news to me. And then, you know, and along those same lines, talk about hurting coaches, um, uh, not intentionally. Uh, Kelly Harper, who is our new women's basketball coach, ironically, she was in school when I was in school at UT. And in 1990, I guess it would have been 1998, Kelly and I had walking class together. Um, and she was my walking partner, uh, and it was essentially me and a bunch of student athletes that were taking walking class. Uh, uh, is that is that a is that a, a, a four thousand level course at University of Tennessee? Or? <laughs> I think we got two hours towards credit for that one. Okay. Um, of course, uh, Kelly does not remember me at all from that class. I obviously remember her because she was the star point guard on the basketball team and so forth. But at any rate, so. Um, recording Kelly uh, with her endorsement radio campaign uh, back in November of last year. And so I meet her at our WIVK studios here in Knoxville. And so I was, I was extremely organized because this was my first interaction with her. And as the marketer, I think you can probably agree with this. You want to be organized. You want to have your scripts ready. 
you want to be efficient with their time, and you don't want to give them any reason whatsoever to doubt your preparation for what you're asking them. Yeah, you want to make it as easy as they can so they come back and do more. Exactly. So we we walk into the studio, and and the studio is relatively small. So I, I go ahead and we get her seated, and we get the microphone pulled down, and then I open up this elaborate notebook, which I'm going to lay over in front of her, which will make it so easy for her to go page to page and so forth. Little did I know there was this canvas wall art directly behind her that my right shoulder brushed as I went to lay the notebook in. The canvas comes off the wall and hits her in the head. <laughs> this just happened in November. And and I'm and pretty much at that point, you're like, it's over for me. She, she's never going to want to do anything with me again. Um, fortunately, she was okay. She didn't have a concussion, and we now laugh about it. But... Um, yeah, there's, there's been those couple of times where it's like, my goodness, what are you thinking? Yeah. Well, I will tell you, I want to say, I didn't have this, I didn't have this as a note to bring in, but I just remembered that when I was in school, my, my last semester before I got into graduate school, I took a, a sports officiating class, which I think was on part of what you're discussing. And it was led by Rod Delmonico, who became your head baseball coach later. And he was an assistant baseball coach under coach Martin at Florida state. And I walk in the first day of class, and Coach Delmonico basically has a basketball in the gym, and it's myself and the entire receiving and defensive backcourt for the Florida State Seminoles. <laughs> and, and so he says, guys, here's the deal. You show up every day, every day, you will get an A. If you miss a day, you will get a B. Two days, C, you can do the math. I will be here every day to say hello, have a good time. And so we played basketball, and I say we, they played basketball, and I ran up and down the court. Um, <laughs> they, didn't, they didn't throw the ball to you? I, it's funny how they just seemed to not see me at all. I, you maybe, the, <laughs> maybe the court was white. I don't know. I, it was, it's tough to know, but I, I didn't know. I did not get the rock a lot in that particular semester. Uh, but I did get in good shape. I, I, I really sweat a lot. Um, and I was available. I was wide ass open a lot. Um, but no, that didn't work. I, but so moving on to coaches that do a good job with, with, you know, with sponsors, I, I think the best coach that I've ever been associated with in terms of sponsorship in my personal world was coach Sam Weich, who I know was wacky and he was all the things the media said. And I know he showed up in a locker room with a towel and he said crazy things, but coach Weich, sought me a, out he was a personality and that's that's part of it initially. absolutely you're right you're right having a personality exactly and so just being a little wacky makes people want to associate with him but he as opposed to perkins who you know i said what he said coach weich found me in my office sits down in my office and says anything i can do for you you let me know and he goes here are my needs and he told me the things he wants and so you know as a marketer your job go get him get the car get the suits get the play tickets for his wife get the food that he needs get the restaurant trade the movie whatever that guy needs because if he does come through it's going to be unbelievable and he was incredible he actually this is what he did he had his own plane and he lived on davis island which is a, a private you know area kind of near downtown tampa and he would tell me if you had a sponsor you wanted to close I will give them a tour of Tampa from my plane. Oh my gosh! No, that's that's kidding. unheard. That's unheard of. And so I had five to ten major sponsors where I said, "Listen, why don't you jump on the plane with Coach White? She'll give you a tour. We'll talk about this deal." I did not get on the plane because I heard too many stories about people going bound in small planes. But he <laughs> took them 
around Tampa. He would basically meet him at his house. He would take him in the car over to the airport. He would take him up for an hour and a half. When they came down, it was over. I, I mean, they, they were completely signed. I mean, I, I, right. and I've never had a coach that was a closer like Coach Weich. I can't even imagine what he was like as a, as a college coach. I know he was uh, you know, pretty successful as a recruiter. But, I mean, he was unbelievable as a head coach to work with. And, and he paid back in spades anything. So you want to talk about how a guy, you know, a coach understands and gets it. Never been around anyone like Coach Weich. And with that, we will finish part one of our special two-part edition of Knox Talk, where we visit with coaches and how they impact sponsorship. Join us again next week for part two of our special with coaches.